Podcraft. Welcome back once again to the CBI again. I conned him into coming in on another day, Chris Harshman, and he brought me more <laughs> booze. So it is the best day ever for me once again. Uh, thanks for coming back, Chris. I oh, had thank a you for having me back. Great time when we did the uh, the old Weller experience and we did your store pick and we had a, a kind of an interesting uh, interesting talk about bourbon and your your enthusiasm. <laughs> um, not that you have a problem. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you have a very understanding wife. Absolutely. Give the her, best. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> we talked uh, about your collection and, and uh, your enthusiasm now and, and uh, not only bourbon, but a little bit of rum. You've, you've dabbled mm-hmm. your toe into rum now, but you bought a very special bottle today uh, that you are willing to share with me on Blue's Clues. And uh, I'd be interesting to see how you found it, how you heard about it, and how you got it. Oh, it's a great story. Yeah. So... Um, I received the first bottle of barrel bourbon that I got was a gift. It's a 95-ish dollar bottle, so it's it's a pretty substantial investment. And barrel bourbon has a, a really interesting story. Only an enthusiast would <laughs> call it an investment. <laughs> it's an investment in my own personal oh, absolutely. Like I, you know, Like but I said before, I'm going to live with it for a while. <laughs> but people spend a lot of money on their hobbies. Absolutely. This is a hobby for you. It so is. It, it is an investment. So I, I it just, it's, people are going to be like an investment, an investment in booze. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not keeping these to, to flip them or anything. Mm. I'm, they are, they are for, you know, me and, and people that, you know, I, I enjoy with. But. No, no, no. They're for consumption. And that's, yeah. that makes me happy because there's a lot of people that buy stuff to put on a shelf to say they have it. And I just, you know, the, the distiller at these places works very, very hard for people to enjoy this Absolutely. stuff. So I'd like to see people open this stuff up and drink it. So it, it, I'm glad you brought it today. <laughs> yeah, we're going to enjoy yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, from, so Barrel Bourbon got its start. Um, I think the, the guy who started the company, his name is Joe Beatrice. And um, as I understand it, he started just going around and collecting old stock of barrels of bourbon and whiskey that... Um, you know, that there was a period of time that there was too much. There was a glut of bourbon, and people were trying to give it away. I and mean, like, it came in Cracker Jack boxes. I don't know how that happened. Oh, man. Uh, to have lived in that period of time oh when Pappy Van Winkle was sitting on <laughs> right. a shelf unpurchased. Right. <laughs> I'll take that one for <laughs> 20 bucks. What? Oh. I got into it way too late. Yeah. No, that, that actually kind of sad to me. <laughs> So he started going around to distilleries and purchasing barrels of bourbon, you know, just as a, and started collecting it together. And then he started mixing, which is an interesting part of the story, you know, in, in America, of course, we sort of, um, we call it a master distiller. And that's, that's who, that's the hero of a distillery is the, is the distiller. But that's the person who's, you know, actually running the stills, who's, you know, checking the white dog that comes off the still, who's making decisions about, you know, the heads and the tails and, and where to cut the line so that, you know, your, your profile stays the same. Um, but there's somebody else who's also doing mixing, who when you, when you have that finished product, it's not a single barrel in that bottle. It's someone who understands the pro or a, or a panel of people who understand the profile that they want to have in that bottle. And they mix different barrels together to sort of build that profile. And that takes expertise too. I think. And you're you're talking about something when, you know, you're looking at some of these bigger brands, 
you have a consistency that those people have to hit mm-hmm. when you're talking about variable. Now they can predict some things and they have some analytics, but you know, mother nature does what she wants. Yes. And you know, there's those blenders example would be something that you can find all over the world. You know, if you have a uh, Jim beam bourbon here in Asheville, North Carolina, and I go to Sri Lanka and I find it, it's going to taste the same. But it's not only going to taste the same there because it's coming from the same place. But 10 years later, working with these agricultural-based products like they do, corn and rye and and, um, barley, um, that's the trick. And so these blenders themselves have to try to look at last year's product. and And it's not about making exactly the same thing. It's making subtle increments of improvement every year. Yes, that make this product so consistent from batch to batch to batch and really make it as big as it is. And so the distiller's job is tough. The blender's job is insane. Mm-hmm. Really, you'd have to be insane. Like there's a, there's a couple people, I know a, a gentleman over in Scotland, like his nose is insured for $2 million. <laughs> wow. Because he's one of the master blenders. I mean, it's that, that job itself is... It's like uh, in the brewery, people in packaging never get their, the, you know, everyone's <laughs> talking about the person that makes the sugar water. Right. It's the same way kind of in the distillery, right? They're making the white dog. Mother nature takes over from there. Beer, yeast take over from there. Mm-hmm. And like no one really kind of, on the back end, no one gets their, uh, they're the heroes. Yes. They won't let me go drink out of the barrels. I've tried. <laughs> I, <I'm, laughs> uh, luckily at the time I was younger and fast, but uh <laughs> I kid, I kid, but th- but that blender, that that job in particular, um, it's interesting too because when somebody that does that blend and retires, they've had mm-hmm. someone that they've trained for the past ten years to help with that consistency, help with that blend, help with that new expression uh, of of quality improvement that happens in such a nuanced way from year to year working with these individual products. It's it's just an interesting challenge, and they're almost like future tellers too. I mean, you have yes. to predict. You know, port finishing, for instance, is something that became a really big deal. And being able to predict, oh, finishing is going to be a really big thing. Let's figure out how to incorporate that into our lineup. Yeah. Rum yeah. finishing is starting to become a thing. You know, all these different, there's a, a rum that I love that's finished in Zinfandel. You know, the, so, which is crazy, right? Like, who, who thought, like, the collaboration that's going on and some of this new stuff that's coming out is absolutely brilliant. Yes. Like, to see some of these finishes. It, that's the thing. So they have this rum blend that's now going into this barrel. They know the precursors of flavor going into yes. the barrel, and they can predict how well that's going to play in this portwood finish after six months or a year or two years. That's That Zinfandel barrel, such a crazy, crazy thing to say, I know that this particular rum is going to, the sweetness of the rum and the way that blah, 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 it's all going to pull and extract those flavors from the Zinfandel out to make this such a drinkable product when it's done like that's that to predict those chemistry experiments mm-hmm. with mother nature doing her thing uh, we, those people don't get paid enough as Absolutely. far as I'm and, and they're playing with money right I mean this isn't just a little lab I mean lots of the, money. 
<laughs> the alcohol that they're putting into barrels and aging, they have to be able to predict it because it is an investment in their future. Yeah, anytime you're putting anything in a barrel, the cost of the barrel, cost of the raw ingredients, all the labor that goes into it. Now you've got six years into this bourbon and it's delicious and you're like, man, we should put this in another barrel. Mm. How do you bring that up to corporate? <laughs> right. right? <laughs> no, we want to take uh, $100,000 of your product that you could sell now that, and, and, and basically add more value to it. You know, it just, that would have been a hard argument, I think, for a lot of places. And to predict that three or four years ago with some of these Portwood finish and Sauternes and Madeira. Yes. You know, even tracking down some of those barrels has been more and more difficult. Absolutely. Sherry finishes and like just some of the flavors that people are coaxing out of these, these things are just, it's mind boggling. Tracking the barrel down is a great, you know, a piece of it. You know, we forget with bourbon, it has to be a new barrel. So they're they're using a new barrel every single time. And so we, we sort of assume that that's how the world works. But, you know, some of these sherries and ports have been in the same barrels for decades. Yeah. And so convincing them to give up one of their barrels <laughs> is another thing. And then more barrels have to be made all the time. Yes. So trees have to be planted. They have to grow. And Mother Nature affects the way those trees grow, which ultimately affects the flavor of the whiskey. Mm-hmm. You know, many, many years down the road, you know, how that tree grew and the tightness of the uh, the oak and, and, you know, it just, it it's insane how they can predict flavor and blend flavor with all of those astronomical variables. Absolutely. In that whole process, if you, from start to finish. You know, what if the distiller has a bad day? And, you know, he's not feeling well. He has some GI issues. Right. And he's running the still and he misses a cut. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a completely different product at that point, right? Absolutely. As, specifically on a pot still. Yes. I mean, even on a column still, if you're, you know, if the, the feed rate going in and the feed rate going out, if it's 10 gallon in and one gallon's coming out, you know, you're filling quite a few barrels a day. What if someone has a bad day? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, maybe they had, you know, all of that stuff kind of goes into the whiskey. It's a weird to say like, ah, oh, I had a fight before I came in here with my loved one. It was a dumb <laughs> fight and I'm an idiot. But my day is still crap, and I don't want to make crap whiskey all day and put it in a barrel. So that's six years down the road, we find out I just, I've angered the spirits. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the things I love about bourbon, too, specifically, is everything has a story, it seems. And as, a, as an enthusiast and maybe even a nerd and a geek, I really, I love that, you know, the, the labels, for instance, you know, the people that are on the na- labels, the Elijah Craig and Colonel E.H. Taylor and... Uh, Basil Hayden, you know, these were real people that had real impact and influence on what we now drink. On the industry as a whole, even. Yeah, I mean, they, they were the pioneers and in, in, in like mavericks in the industry. Absolutely. It's just, in, it's funny to see how, you know, the movement in some of the, like, there's so much innovation happening now and some of these new finishes and stuff like that's something that they had to do for their particular product back hundreds of years ago. The first food law came from bourbon. Yeah. I mean, there's such a rich story behind everything. Uh, <laughs> we are nerds. <laughs> Let's just, I don't let these rugged good looks fool you people. Uh, they, there's a heart of a nerd behind all of this. It, it, it really, you know, in a lot of ways, Berman shaped our history in the United States and, you know, people associate it with one region, but there are bourbons being produced all around the country now um, that are really coming into their own. And oh, absolutely. I'm excited as a as an enthusiast and as a as a bourbon drinker uh to try 
uh, well, first to try them all. I do that for the student. It's of, not of course. It's, it's not for me. It's for the kids. I try to do it for our curriculum program and our con ed program. I try to experience that to make sure that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that being said, there's a lot of interesting uh, finishes and a lot of interesting mm. process and technique uh, with all this technology coming out that uh, has kind of changed the the way people are are approaching bourbon. Yes. And, and approaching the aging and approaching like there's it, regular ways are not going away anytime soon because it's a tried and true way. But there's a lot of interesting innovation that's happening, like you said, in finishes and warehouse management and yes. uh, uh, how they how they're, you know, charring the barrel. There's there's been some mm-hmm. places that have like, you know, a number three and four char is pretty standard in the bourbon industry. I've seen um, people char it up to a number seven. Hmm which uh, is really, like they say it's an alligator char because it looks like alligator skin. Mm -hmm. There's furrows in the inside of the barrel. If you go past four, you're increasing the depth of those furrows. You're you're potentially increasing the extraction uh, from what's called the red layer Hmm. underneath that char. And that red layer is the caramelization of the hemicellulose, the sugars that are gonna be working its way and giving a lot more color. Uh, to to the whiskey product. So you see some of these things where people are kind of dipping their toe in that experimental water. And I'm just curious to see some of these bourbons uh, that'll be coming out. A lot of them are sour mash. I've mm-hmm. seen a sweet mash coming out. Yes. Brand new pitch of yeast, uh, you, know, you know, starting from scratch. It's just interesting things that people are experimenting with. And, and now it's... It's not just experimental that people are drinking at the distillery. They're like, "Well, let's see if uh, let's see if anybody else out there is as interested in this stuff as as we are." And we are absolutely everybody out there listening. We are <laughs> send them to me. Yes, I will. Uh, I will do my best to share them with me. Uh, and that, you know, it's it's one of those things where that innovation is breeding more uh, more drinkers and more enthusiasts and more more of our self self admitted geek. <laughs> and nerd at that point. So I'll be curious to see what, what is coming out new. And, and, and specifically, this bottle is, he's kind of like the Johnny Appleseed of bourbon, right? He was getting all of this stuff and, and doing his own blends, and almost like a gypsy uh, a gypsy distiller at that point. He wasn't right. actually distilling anything, but he was right. buying up lots. And there's some other, and that business model, that other people are doing that now. And I've had some stuff from a lot of those places, and it's, it's brilliant. It really is. It's brilliant. You know, it used to be like the business model seemed to be do really cheap things that don't have to be aged while you're aging your stock. Yep. And now the business model seems to be, it, it, now there's a new version where you get to go around and you buy up stock that other people aren't going to use, you know, from Heaven Hill or MGP or, you Anybody know, that's overproduced. Yeah, you know, exactly. Anybody that's got barrels laid down somewhere where they're either needing to open up capacity or open up space mm-hmm. because there's a lot of growth in this market right now. Bourbon is is a really, really hot commodity. Yes. And and I think that industry is secular. I think they're, you know, it's really, really exciting and really, really popular right now. And I don't think it's ever going to go down to where, you know, we, you know, really, really low sales. But there'll be other things that kind of come through and, and, and it'll kind of morph. But uh I'd be curious to see what people come up with as this kind of ebbs and flows. And there's a lot of whiskey being laid down absolutely right now, which is great to say because then you've got guys like, uh, and gals that are going to be buying this stuff. Uh, the, the le- not leftovers by any means, but just the surplus 
um, whiskey. They do it with wine. They do it mm-hmm. with beer. I mean, it, it, it's out there. You can find this stuff and, and you know, get some interesting finishes. Get your own barrels. Stick it in there and let it sit. Uh, it's a huge investment. Yes. The initial investment is very, very high in this practice, but it's, it's an interesting uh, take on something that's been happening for hundreds of years. And so let's open this. Because I'm excited about it. It's a beautiful bottle, too. It really is, and it's a gorgeous color. So this is barrel bourbon, and um, barrel bourbon, barrel whiskey, barrel rum. They have three different okay. uh, spirits. And they label, their they uh, number their batches. So this is batch number 11. And there's an interesting story behind this specific bottle. So Fred Minnick is a name that a lot of people will recognize. He's He's been writing in uh, whiskey and spirits for a long time. And he's often, or I guess always maybe, um, a judge in some of the larger... Spirits competitions in San Francisco. Yeah, the San Francisco one specifically. And so Barrel Bourbon uh, submitted one one year, and it won the the year that it was submitted. So batch batch number 11 is a winner. And um, he wrote marzipan as a tasting note, and the entire industry went nuts. Everybody is like, oh my gosh, what is marzipan? Should I be tasting it everywhere? I've got to get this bottle. It won. Not only did it win, but Fred Minnick, like, you know, no, marzipan has he never said been. marzipan. Yeah. So everybody wanted to experience it. Um, so th- there's an interesting story behind this, and I- I've not opened it yet. So we'll get a nice, satisfying sound as we open the bottle. Oh. oh yeah <laughs> i just want to clap i just i have to clap when i hear that sound i don't care what it we're opening with that sound itself and this is really a treat and the bottle itself is beautiful um it is an ovoid shaped bottle but it's kind of got square shoulders i mean it is it's a really beautiful package it is at 114.8 proof 57.4 percent age six years it is uh oh mercy that smell just out of the bottle. I can't, I'm, I actually just got goose. I literally got goosebumps smelling it. What an amazing smell inside of that bottle. It is, uh, and, you know, I started this podcast as another reason to drink at work. This is the exact wow. reason why I started this podcast. That Seriously, that's good, yeah. legitimate goosebumps when I smell that. <laughs> wow, what an amazing flavor they've coaxed out of that. No kidding. Wow. Uh I'm excited to try this. I've still got goosebumps talking about it. So when you say marzipan, what do you think? It's not something in the United States that we have a lot. We don't eat a lot of marzipan. It's just, it's, what do you think you, you think that is? So I think what I'm expecting to taste when I hear marzipan is like toasted almonds. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would think like almost like some sort of a brittle Mm. Uh, maybe a little bit of a toffee note to it and all yes. kind of mixed together. So when you say almonds in, in spirits, that is a chemical called benzaldehyde. Mm. And that is something that happens over time and it just it forms that, uh, that almondy type smell and flavor. Um, I'm, I'm super, super excited to try this. <laughs> and I'm just waiting for you to get your glass pour because I don't want to drink it. Uh, cheers, let's clink this so we can get it. Yeah. I am, uh, wow, wow, I'm kind of not worthy to even, even there's a, so the, the notes of smell, so first of all, it pours into the glass, it's, the legs on this are, is, uh, so thick, so 
they're incredible. I mean, I swirled it around in the glass, and I've yet to see them really drop, even in the last three or four seconds. I mean, just really long, stringy. Vi- I mean, there's a there's going to be a mouthfeel to this yes. that I'm very, very excited it about. It coats the inside of the glass, and it just does not stop it doesn't coating. Go, it, yeah, it doesn't go away. Um, golden, I would say a very, very deep golden yellow, almost to a copper color. It is... Uh, uh, wow, that smell. You got a nice, nice oaky smell, not but not overpowered. Not by overpowering any at all. Means. It's like it's like a, a nice oak. It's not an astringent oak. Mm. And there's a richness underneath it. Like you can tell when you start to drink it. There's it's going to interact with every single part of your palate. There's going to be something there for the whole mouth. And you say a richness, like I get that precursor just by watching the legs try to fall down, try to struggle yeah. to fall down in the glass, but you can almost smell it. Yes. You can almost smell the viscosity in this particular liquor. I mean, you can, there's, you can, it almost coats the inside of your nose. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> this is, this is, this is super unique. Um, so I'm getting a little, a uh, little tropical fruit, not yes. much. A little ethyl butyrate um, behind some of that ethanol. I mean, it, 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 like, like I said, it's that cast huh. strength, and we're talking 114. I mean, it's going to be a little bit of nuttiness too. Well, I think that's where you're, you're ta- you start talking about that marzipan. Mm-hmm. If you're going to get some of that, uh, a little bit of almond in the nose. Wow, I get almost like a little. Uh, I smell pudding. <laughs> like creme brulee almost. Oh, yes. Like a toast, like the, just the, the light crunchiness on top of the creme brulee. And then I get a little bit of that really just subtle vanilla yes. in the background. And subtle is the right word for it. It's no, not a bomb. It, no, not by any means. It's just, it's there to be a part of it, not to be the, the, the star. There's some more fruit. Uh, I'm getting some... Uh, some stone fruits. Like, yes, peaches. Like peaches and, and plums yes. and maybe a little nectarine. Yep. Maybe uh, just a hint of apricot. There's a lot. There. Every time I'm smelling this, I'm getting another something smell. Something else. Yeah. It's it's a really interesting experience. Mm. Well, uh, I can't thank you enough for bringing this in. I'm, I'm about to take my first sip. And if uh, you guys don't hear from us in about the next five minutes, it's probably me <laughs> wiping up my tears. <laughs> Mm. Wow. At a, this can't be at 114 proof. It doesn't drink like it. No. <laughs> I might this be, is amazing. I might, that's a legitimate eye water. That, wow. <laughs> um, so this, this reminds me when you were here last time uh, a little bit of that uh, uh, store pick. But way, way more yes. uh, flavor going on. There's a little bit of that earthiness. There's a little bit of that oakiness. There is there's all the vitamins your body needs. <laughs> <laughs> there's, wow. Uh, there, is, there is flavor on top of flavor. Uh, you know, trying to decipher some of the stuff that's inside of these notes. Uh, even at... 114 proof there's just so many things coming out of this particular spirit it's it's there's fruit and caramel and i get some of that what i i can see where he said marzipan i get a little but it's it's a note 
It's not. Yes. It's not the star. There's just there's it's, a symphony in your mouth. It, that's and the, you can focus on any one piece, but you keep coming back to the whole. No, exactly. It. it you're, they've have created this beautiful, beautiful arrangement of flavors, and nothing is the star. Yes. Everything is working together to make an absolutely phenomenal taste. The longer it sits in my mouth, I'm getting a little black tea now. I got, uh, you know, I went through a bunch of fruity esters. Uh, there was a hint of coconut, a hint of vanilla. And now I'm getting some of that delicate, it's a delicate tannic astringency coming yes. from the wood. The, you know, the, the, the bourbons you brought last time, there was that same tan, but it, it, it was not as, uh, as powering as it, this is very delicate, very smooth, mm-hmm. uh, very subtle. And it's just kind of hanging out and doing its thing. It is. I don't want to drink water anymore. <laughs> There's no need. There's this. I mean, <laughs> you know, usually sometimes you, you have a bourbon, uh, especially as sort of an enthusiast that does it every now and then. Like a, a Henry McKenna is a great example of something that is just an oak bomb. It is really great for what it is. Um, but you find yourself, it's mm. so tannic and overpowering that you find yourself taking a swig of water in between, you know, every sip of, of McKenna or something that's along that same sort of profile well, in, in that drinking experience too. It takes like, <laughs> this is, a, <laughs> I would drink this way too fast mm-hmm. because I'm looking for, like I'm trying to figure out all these flavors inside yes. of it. and McKenna, it's not like it, 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 by any means it's not one note, but it is such a big oak finish mm-hmm. and a big oaky. I, I don't want to say a punch in the face, but there's a lot more tannins to it. Yes. Um, it is nice to refresh, but this here, there's there's a refreshing quality at 114 proof that I'd never thought I'd say. Like I still have saliva in my mouth. Yes, you know it's not all been it's drawn not out. It's cloyingly dry. Yes, uh, like a, a giant oaky punch in the face. It, it, there's there's merits to flavor that are happening right now that I can't I can't put my finger on. It, it, it's a really wow. Oh. Just the smell alone. I'm glad more things don't smell like this. <laughs> really, I'd have a problem. Um, yeah, Almost I'm getting, getting a little banana even. A little isoamyl acetate, yeah. yeah the, the fruity esters. I mean, I was getting a little bit of pineapple, a little bit of tropical fruit. I was certainly getting stone fruits like peaches and plum, a little bit, really hints of plum. Uh, I did get some of that uh, kind of that chewy marzipan and then it just there's a drying sensation but it's not so overly dry that you don't have saliva like like you said left in your mouth there's a i'm still enjoying it uh the tannin the wood tannins are very subtle they're 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 muted um but they're part of the whole drinking experience it's not like you said there's there's things that are one note or they're trying to express you know a couple three or four flavors this one all of the flavors accumulate into this uh really quite pleasant start middle and finish where you're getting kind of a wave of different flavors at each point yes um you you hold it in your mouth and you're getting there there is a little bit of burn just in your mouth but none uh you know on the finish uh it's at 114 it should burn a little bit right right Uh, otherwise but it's very pleasant it's not burning but it doesn't disappear either no and the roof of the mouth even has some interplay in the cheeks. Yes, it, it, it all has some nice underneath there. your tongue. It all, it all. <laughs> my teeth are happy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's all kind of tying together. It's wow. This is uh, 
I'm still enjoying the first sip. Yeah, you were very lucky to find this. This is one of these, uh, you know, you pour yourself two fingers of this at night and you are drinking this for two hours. Yes, absolutely. And just doing whatever it is you're doing, Mm -hmm. but it is, this is a a, a two hour finger drink. And you can tell it's going to be a different drink at the end of the two hours than it was at the beginning. Even even smelling it now, as we've kind of held it in our hands, I'm starting to get some other, some other, Smells come, it smells and tastes coming out of it. Yeah. Now. Yes. Another trick I like to do is uh, because taste in, in flavor in particular is so tied to our olfactory sense, and we know now that our mouth and our palate is so tied, like you said, the, the roof of your mouth, the sides of your mouth. Like I like to take my nose and mouth and breathe in through both of them at the yes. same time as I'm trying to introduce some of these flavors. So it's like a precursor of what's going to be happening on my tongue as well as what's happening in my olfactory sense. So it's one of those, wow, there's there's so much happening in this. There really is. What it's a blend. very complex. What a blend. It, cheers to, uh, to all the folks that put this together because it is, uh, it is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It's almost a different sip what three four or five minutes since the first one Mm. Mm. there's a chewiness to it that i absolutely adore and there's almost a a wave of flavor like you get the sweet all the way through the palate before you start to get the tannic all the way through the palate it's almost like a wave through that reversal factory you breathe out through your nose and i'm getting Mm. more of that deep, rich uh, tree nuts. I'm getting uh, a little bit more caramel. Again, it's all playing together. There's no one note Mm -hmm. to it by any means. Mm. This is what everything should taste like. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. It's almost like you do it a disservice by trying to point out a single or two notes. No, and and if you're lucky enough to try this, um, you know, do yourself a favor. uh, Take your time. Because it, it, this is a this is a challenge. It really, it literally is a challenge for your palate to try to pick out all of these flavors because there's a lot of things going on in here. I I, I taste a lot. It, it, both of us amateurs, right? I mean, we've both been doing it for a while. I I teach sensory, and I've I've you know I've had a ton of sensory classes and off flavor classes, and it, it, all of it all kind of accumulates to you know I like what I like, and I I like this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's pretty wonderful. It really is. I, I'm going to be with this bottle en- for a while. No, I can't thank you enough <laughs> for bringing this in. This is, this was an absolute special treat for me. Um, wow, it's this this podcast would last four hours because I, I don't want this to go away. Um, <laughs> but uh, I can't thank you enough, Chris, for for stopping by today. I, I appreciate you bringing uh, this absolutely spectacular bottle of booze i gotta have you back again i know you've done a couple now but uh gotta have you back on the podcast we'll drink some more and and i'll supply the booze next time (laughs) well thanks for having me back this is always awesome no i appreciate it chris we'll talk to you real soon and uh cheers (laughs) 